welcome to the Find Your Best Future podcast. This is the podcast that helps international families make great decisions when it comes to choosing university courses. Hi oh, Jeremy, how are you? Fine, thank you Neil, hope you are too. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I'm busy thinking here. Um, I've been pondering life itself recently and so uh, my brain's starting to hurt a little bit. <laughs> You shouldn't be doing too much pondering, Neil. I mean, you've got a you've got a podcast episode, remember, that we have to record. Yeah, I know, but I've been really, you know, struggling with the purpose of existence itself and life. Um, it's been really challenging for me. Uh, what is this podcast actually uh, today? Well, actually, uh, rather appropriately, we are going to be looking at psychology. Ah, that'll provide me with all the answers. Well, I don't hey, know about you're, that. You're, you're, you're <laughs> perfect. Uh, um, you know. Psychology, what is it? I guess it's about thinking deeply about all sorts of big problems. Maybe I'm wrong, maybe I'm right. Well, there is, is a, uh... there, is, there is a certain amount of thinking involved in psychology, Neil, uh, definitely. Uh, so I think psychology is one of those words that we've all heard of, but very few people are able to put an accurate definition as to what it actually is. Indeed. Unfortunately, and so, you, you are actually not one of those few people who can put an accurate <laughs> definition. So uh, <laughs> let's take a look at it then, and uh, hopefully you can enlighten me a little bit, and we can find out what studying psychology actually is and what it means. Okay, so... You know, my deep thinking perhaps uh, doesn't actually accurately uh, represent what studying uh, psychology is. Can you enlighten me? Can you help me? Uh, um, you know, what do you study when you study psychology? Well, I think your deep thinking is, is a good starting point, Neil. Um, okay. Right. So psychology is a multifaceted discipline and includes many subfields, uh, such as human development, sports, health, clinical, social behavior, cognitive processes. However, having said all that, um, psychologists normally break their discipline down into four major areas. That's okay. cognitive, forensic, social, and developmental psychology. So in some ways, it's a bit like engineering there, where the sort of idea is an umbrella over, over you know, a variety of very different subcategories. Is that right? Yes, it is. Uh, and of course, uh, if you go off to university and study psychology, uh, you will probably uh, eventually choose to specialize in one of these major areas. Okay. Could you drill into those areas a bit for us and help yes. us understand the differences? Yeah, well, first of all, cognitive psychology. This is a scientific study of the mind as an information processor. So what cognitive psychologists try to do is to build up a, a model of the information processing that goes on inside people's minds, including okay. things like perception, attention, language, memory, thinking, consciousness. All of those things form cognitive psychology. All right. Okay. And, and, and what, what does cognitive psychology lead to as a as some sort of uh, job is it is it directly linked with one specific profession not just one but i, I would say people who specialize in cognitive psychology uh, when you're looking at the whole information processing a lot of them tend to work in, in the in the education field i mean students who maybe have difficulty in processing uh, information which is fed to them in school or college sure. and, and so there's certainly a, a, an area a career area 
Uh, okay, the and the second area? Okay, well, forensic psychology is a field that combines the practice of psychology and law. Um, okay. Those who work in this field utilize psychological expertise as it applies to the justice system. Wow, so that's completely different. Very different, yes. And what are they typically doing then? Well, they, they, uh, they often um, try and sort of uh, construct a picture of a person who may possibly have committed a crime and thus help law enforcement um, focus in on who they need to be pursuing. Wow. That is one use of forensic psychology. Gosh. And the third area you mentioned? Social psychology. It's the scientific study of how people's thoughts, feelings and behaviours are influenced by uh, the actual and the imagined and also the implied presence of other people. Okay. And that, I guess, might be useful for people in marketing and advertising even. Yes, indeed. Uh, because sometimes uh, if a, a potential customer who pick up on your marketing advertising um, finds him, him or herself um, close to a person on the advert or they identify with that person, then that's a good example of social psychology. Right. And the fourth area? Developmental psychology. It's a scientific study of how and why human beings change over the course of their lives. Yeah, like us getting more and more intelligent over time. I'm glad you said that, Neil. I thought you were going to say something else for a minute. But, uh, <laughs> no. But yes, you're absolutely right. That's, that's the way I see it, too. <laughs> that's the way it is. And I, th I think that sort of harks back to the one before, the social psychology, because we're close to each other on this podcast. We obviously develop in the right sort of way. Indeed. Indeed. Okay, so there's a big idea behind it, you know, how humans uh, think, how they interact, and then the four different categories underneath with, with many other subcategories. Um, uh, we've talked a little bit about jobs, but, but what kind of things can you do after studying psychology? Uh, there's a surprising variety of jobs, actually. Things like child psychology, clinical psychology, cognitive counselling, educational, forensic, health, organisational, school psychologists, sports psychologists. There's actually a lot of different areas that right. um, psychology graduates go on to work in. Okay. Maybe drill into a couple of those. Uh, uh, obviously, an area that we're, or I'm certainly really interested in, is in child psychology. Absolutely, because we both work in the education field, and yeah. clearly child psychology is, is at the forefront here. Um, they, they study learning patterns, behavioral developments, um, how the environment affects children from their infancy right through adolescence up to adulthood, indeed. Um, Many, many specialize in things like abnormal psychology, adolescent psychology, and also parents, helping parents of children who have suffered trauma or have physical, mental learning disabilities. All of these things fall under the remit of a child psychologist. Right. And typically they would be working either in a school, uh, like the schools that we've worked in, or, or, or in a clinic, I guess. Yes, that's correct. Uh, I mean, a lot of schools in, employ a, a, a psychologist, uh, either full-time or, or part-time. Yes, indeed. And, and so that must be a, a major employment area for, for people who specialise in this realm. Yes, it is. Okay. Um, and what about uh, you know, clinical psychology? What, what, what does that 
sort of look like in terms of... Well, clinical psychology broadly refers to the assessment, diagnosis and treatment of mental disorders. Um, right. And clinical psychologists may provide a general psychological treatment or work with a specific patient group or disorder or condition. Um, there are many specialities, of course, under this uh, domain um, because clinical psychology is actually a very large subfield of psychology. And, and typical work settings would include like hospitals, uh, mental institutions, also schools as well, and private practice. So that, that goes into the, the, the mental health realm. Uh, yes, I very much imagine. so. Yeah, very you know, much that's, so. That's uh, uh, working in that realm. Uh, and what about uh, cognitive psychologists? What do they do? Well, cognitive psychology emphasizes the scientific study of the mind's various processing methods, which is actually a very interesting field to look at. Um, so cognitive psychologists examine the ways that people process and interpret information, which is something that we are doing constantly. Yeah. Um, information like language, you mean, how do people acquire language? Which part of the brain um, enables you to learn language? Um, right. and, and if, of course, there's some damage there, then, of course, that would be affected. And uh, a more sort of basic thing like attention. Some, some people um, have attention deficit. Uh, and then there's memory. I mean, uh, it's a well-documented fact that as you get older, your memory tends to fade a little bit. What did you uh, say? I, I knew you'd jump in there, Neil. I sort of fed that one to you. You did, you did. <laughs> and then there's consciousness, you know, awareness of what's going on. This is all part of cognitive psychology. Um, okay. And this can be informed by the theory that one's thoughts and mental processes determine your behavior. So these right. professionals rely very much on scientific methods to study and understand behavior. Right. And I think it's really important to understand that Psychology is then uh, you know, a science in many mm. ways, although many people probably uh, from the outside look at it as if it's some form of, I don't know, like politics or, or in that it's a sort of belief system. But that's not the case, is it? Not at all. It's very scientific. And in fact, if you're thinking about going to study uh, psychology at university, um, you will find that you'll be doing a lot of processing of data and analysis information. And uh, some university courses require a certain level of mathematical skills uh, because of that. Yeah, and, and a huge amount of statistics work as well. Very much uh, so, yeah. And, and handling data. Yes. Um, another area is uh, counselling psychology. Is that right? Yes, counselling psychology focuses on uh, teaching patients how to cope with emotional, physical, mental health issues. Um, right. A lot of schools and hospitals employ uh, psychologists who specialise in this particular area. Um, so, I mean, some counselling psychologists intervene and assess and assist people in times of crisis or extreme stress. Um, helping them to overcome the, the, these difficult moments in their lives. Right. And uh, really important work, but very challenging work, I would imagine, as well. I think it's probably very tough work uh, because you, you're constantly dealing with, with people who are under a lot of stress, a lot of pressure. Yeah. And that's quite a lot for you as a psychologist to absorb and, and deal with yourself. Right, indeed. And one that we're most familiar probably with is uh, education psychology. Um, that's supporting students um, 
around uh, understanding how they learn and how they can learn better. Is that right? Yes. Um, educational psychologists uh, evaluate learning methods on student outcomes. And they research and strive to improve the instructional process going on in the institution, usually a school. And they also take into account the unique needs of the educational institution and its students, I mean, including, for example, gifted learners. And then at the other end of scale, those with learning disabilities. So really, educational psychologists have a role to play uh, throughout the school or the institution they work for. Okay, let's skip ahead then to uh, health psychology. Uh, it's not an area I know much about. What is this health psychology? Well, health psychology is a, it's a speciality of clinical psychology, really. It's the study of how biological, psychological, and social factors affect overall health and wellness. I mean, clearly, we, we all know that um, there are sort of I mean, physical diseases, if you like. You get an infection, it makes you sick. But also, there's mental disease. So health psychologists may focus their skills on subspecialities, including behavioral assessment, intervention, pain management as well, illness, illness prevention. Um, there's a range of health psychology careers available. And okay. A licensed health psychologist, they're qualified to treat patients in a clinical setting, as well as consulting for, for private or government agencies. And it's not just in the healthcare area or the education area that uh, um, psychology is uh, uh, useful. Um, In industry as well, uh, in business, uh, it's an important field, isn't it? Yes, and because uh, if you're running a a company organization, you obviously want your workforce to be physically healthy, but also to be mentally healthy. And that way they will be hopefully happier at work and certainly more productive. Um, So really... um, Industrial organizational psychology really focuses on how to improve the workplace conditions for the people who work in a, an organization. Right. And that's sort of, uh, you know, been taken to its ultimate by Google workplaces where there are slides and, and couches and unlimited food <laughs> and all of those kind of things in order to, to make sure that people uh, feel comfortable in their workplace. And I'm sure that, that psychologists were involved in in all of those developments. Interesting you should mention that, Neil, but uh, I actually don't have unlimited supplies of food or a couch in my office. I think I'm going I'm to have to fill out the necessary paperwork and have all this delivered. But uh, in, that's in, something in, for the future. <laughs> in the school that I used to run, uh, as you know, Jeremy, uh, we had many of those things. Uh, and it certainly makes life a, a lot, lot uh, more comfortable. Uh, um, so very important work. Um, the other area that, that many people will probably have heard of is sports psychology because sports psychologists play a, a hugely important role, especially with elite uh, sports people. Is that right? Yeah, very much so. It's something that's really come into the fore, I would say, in the last sort yeah. of 10 to 20 years. Um, sports psychology is very much an interdisciplinary practice that explores the link between psychological, physical factors that affect performance as you say, in, in highly competitive sports, most uh, professional sports teams will certainly have some sort of sports psychological, psychological um, support to, the, to, their, to their players, right. their athletes. And I suppose, you know, it, it, when, it, when, when you're performing at such a high level, it's, it's a one or two percent change in behavior that can make the difference between winning and losing. 
Yes, indeed. Um, very often, sort of the the trainers of national football teams uh, work very, very closely with psychologists because if if your players go out onto the pitch with the right sort of mindset, um, even if they're not actually talented or any more talented than they were before, they're more likely to achieve success or at least reach their peak. Right. And that would mean uh, that's a, a, a specific niche area um, uh, of, uh, of psychology then? Yes, although there's actually quite a lot of jobs in this area. When, when you think about how large professional sport is and how Indeed. many professional sports there are. I mean, as we record this episode, of course, the World Cup is being played uh, and there will be a lot of uh, sports psychologists there with their teams. So to help me understand, when you, when you um, apply for a psychology course, um, are you going to go straight into one of these niches? Uh, you know, it's a, like using the analogy with uh, engineering, applying for mechanical engineering or chemical engineering, or is there um, an overall uh, application and then specialization within the degree? How does that work? Well, as, as with, with most degrees, you sort of start off doing a sort of a, a broad brush approach, and then you're going to sort of go in one direction or another and become a specialist. Right. And, and does your degree title reflect that or, or are you, um, uh, you know, planning then to go on to a master's degree, uh, to really establish that, uh, uh, specialization? I think you have to go on to, uh, you know, f a further degree, uh, after, after your initial bachelor degree. Right. And, and I think that's important to know, isn't it? Yeah. Because, you know, most, uh, psychologists are either, uh, master's holders or indeed uh, uh, are at doctoral level um, yes. uh, in order to to be able to really effectively uh, uh, grow in their in their career path and so if you're if you're considering applying for um, psychology and you want to be a psychologist then you need to be you know in there for the long haul probably um, and yeah. that having been said lots of companies um, want to employ people with psychology degrees um, in, in other fields, don't they? Yes, in sort of the whole field of management, human resources particularly. But I, th I think it's worth pointing out at this stage that um, your, your professional skills will continue to grow. You're going to be upskilling constantly throughout your professional career. This is not one of these things where, you, you know, you, you finish university and then that's it. You know everything there is to know about psychology because... There are always new ideas and, uh, and new treatments coming forward in this whole area. Right. And so it's very important to realize that your, your education, for a better word, will continue. But when you're, when you're applying, uh, preparing to apply, it's probably really important to understand the emphasis points of the specific course, I guess. Yes, I mean, uh, we, we've, we've talked about this uh, in reference to applying for other subjects to university. Mm. I think it's vital that you do your research properly yes. before you apply to a course. Um, you need to be very clear about which units you're going to be studying in year one, year two, and year three, and also what the options are. You know, right. particularly in your final year of your bachelor's, you'll probably be asked to sort of select from a list of electives. You right. won't be doing them all, but you, you, you need to know 
which ones are on offer. And some departments are bigger and have a more extensive list of electives than others. And, and some departments are uh, inevitably specialised or focused in one particular realm or others. Um, I know that certain universities, you know, have a have a, a leading professor who is guiding uh, their department, and therefore uh, that department has a, a focus in one area or other. How does a student work that out? What document do they need to look at in order to really drill into what's being offered? If you want to drill in, uh, you can always go and look to see what sort of papers the professor or professors have, have published. And this will give you an idea about the sort of direction or focus of that particular department. And is there a syllabus document, a document that tells you oh, yes. what's actually going to be taught? Every university department will publish the syllabus so you can see exactly what you're going to be doing year one, year two, year three. And no matter what you're going to apply for at university, be it psychology or some other subject, you really need to read this extremely carefully. You need to look at the admissions requirements in terms of grades, and you also need to look at the syllabus content. Right. And that's really, really important uh, for all subjects, but maybe specifically here where, you know, um, uh, you need to make sure that the courses that you're covering uh, and the options you're choosing will lead you to the to the place you want to get to. On a on a, um, on a sort of uh, wider level, uh, uh, what kind of things should students be doing in order to prepare for their application? Well, um, the very obvious one: you need to decide which country you want to study in. Yeah, important. Uh, very important, yes, because you actually have to go and live there. Um, but I would suggest that you go and have a look at the careers that the graduating students have moved on to. And most universities publish this, usually in the departmental section. It'll say something like, our psychology graduates last year moved on to study in the following companies or fields. And it's quite interesting. Some, you can see, they are really continuing down the sort of psychology direction. Right. And others have gone off to work in completely random careers that on the at least at first glance, appear to have no connection with psychology. Although, if you dig into it, there probably is a connection. Right. And of course, you know, psychology, I guess, has a, a significant practical element. Um, do courses sometimes offer, I don't know, internships or sandwich courses? Uh, should students be looking out for that? Yes, I think actually a, a placement or internship, sandwich course, co-op program, whatever you wish to call it, is very, very valuable uh, because it gets you out into the real world of work and you, you find out what it's actually like to be putting your knowledge into practice in, in the work environment. Right. And and practical matters like cost, is, is uh, psychology generally a, an expensive course to take? Or, I mean, obviously, it's location <sighs> by location. Or yeah. is it, um, you know, uh, at the lower end of the cost scale uh, yeah, that's a really difficult question to answer because, of course, it depends in which country and which university. But sort of generally speaking, the more expensive courses tend to be the STEM courses, the science courses, the engineering courses, because universities have to provide a lot of very expensive equipment. Whereas to teach psychology, they don't need to invest quite so much money. So okay. sort of broad brush answer is that psychology courses tend not to be at the upper level of the tuition fee scale within a particular university. But still needs to be funded. And so money is yes, important yes, always. Yeah. 
Always. And so you and your family, if uh, listening, you need to make sure that uh, uh, that's all planned for. Um, and then the usual sort of um, comments around you know, what kind of university, city or country and uh, housing and those kind of things, I guess. Yeah, it's, it's worth remembering uh, if you are a prospective student, you're still in high school, um, obviously you want to apply for the right course with the right units, the right content. But please don't forget, you also have to go and live there. And you need to think about the environment in which you land. Do you want to be in the middle of a big city or a smaller city on a campus? It's a very personal thing, uh, but you do need to think carefully about it because it's going to have a huge impact on your whole university experience. Right. And going back to the course itself, uh, uh, are the are the um, uh, different specialisations that you mentioned? Are they specifically covered uh, in in courses, uh, or uh, is it always uh, just a cover or psychology degree? Um, again, it's it's a mixed picture. I think you, you ha if if you have a particular interest in in one of those fields of psychology, then please just go and make sure that they're going to be teaching that area on your psychology degree. Right. And it's a field, I guess, where earnings potential is significantly different depending yeah. on which area you head for. Is that right? Yes. Um, generally speaking, those who work as industrial psychologists in companies tend to earn more than those who are working in other organizations like schools. Indeed, indeed, and I guess sports psychologists can can earn phenomenal amounts of money if they if they actually uh, uh, find that one niche that uh, uh, is prepared to pay them uh, uh, the money. Absolutely, if you go and uh, work for as a sports psychologist for one of the very top kind of football, baseball, basketball teams, those teams have a lot of money sloshing around, and you will get some of it. Yeah, that's right. And I, I know that uh, NBA teams, for example, uh, put a huge amount of emphasis on on that particular area. So you go from working in schools where generally uh, the remuneration is not that high, um, but the, the the job satisfaction perhaps is is uh, very high, through to to uh, high earnings potential. And as a student, I think you probably need to consider that as well before you head off down your, your road, is that right? Yes, uh, although it's probably quite difficult for high school students to sort of project that far ahead, but uh, some will certainly be thinking in terms of their earning potential. Yes, I think, you know, my experience is that you know, there are students uh, in grade 10 who are very clear that they do not wish to be poor, uh, <laughs> yes. who want to be wealthy. Um, <laughs> and, you know, so, uh, you know, making those decisions is, is really, really important. What kind of skills do you need to be successful as a psychologist? Um, I mean, good communication skills, clearly, because you're going to have to be working with people. It's very much a people business. Um, Numeracy, we, we, we touched on that before in, in terms of uh, data analysis. Uh, so you need a, a certain level of mathematical numer numeracy skills. Research skills, you're going to have to do a lot of research. Yeah. Uh, and a lot of patience. Um, you, you're going to be in some very difficult conversations. Um, and then problem solving skills, because really you are there, last resort to hopefully solve people's problems or help them move forward. Yes, and, it's, and it is a, you know, it's quite a, 
uh, it needs both of those sides, I guess. It needs the academic, the sort of analytical, but it also needs the empathetic uh, side. You you need to feel comfortable. I think also probably a, a certain level of uh, emotional resilience um, as a as an individual is 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 important if you are to be able to protect your own well being. Yes, I mean, if if you're a person who is emotionally fragile, I think it's going to be a very, very challenging profession to move into. Yes, indeed. And I think that's important as well. You know, um, uh, if you are to be able to help others through these problems, uh, you do need to be able to 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 have a, a a stable basis from which to work as far as you as an individual is concerned. Yes. Uh, and um that can be uh, pretty difficult uh, if you're dealing in in challenging situations. Uh, so something to bear in mind if you're you know, a very uh, resilient and positive uh, person, it might be easier to deal and help others uh, than if you're in a rather um, you know more fragile and or introspective person when it comes to these kind of things. Uh, on a on a purely practical basis, some. Um, what kind of grades am I going to need? Is it difficult to get into? Um, psychology is a very popular subject now at universities, so therefore there is competition for places. Um, it's the usual answer. If you want to go to a highly ranked university, then you need high grades. But it's probably worth noting uh, to, in terms of what you're actually currently studying in your high school. Now, obviously, if your school offers a psychology course during those final two years of school, then you should be taking that. I assume you will be because you'll have an interest in that direction. However, um, some schools don't offer psychology. So universities don't demand that you have studied psychology at school because they recognize many schools don't have this no, as a indeed. course. And it's really important to know, you don't have to have studied psychology yeah. uh, at A-level or IB in order to get into psychology. What other areas would they be interested in, though? Um, a, a good overall education. Obviously, uh, they're going to have a look at your English skills uh, because there's a lot of uh, communication, and both verbal and written. Right. Um, and, and as we mentioned before, uh, a reasonable level of mathematical skills as well. But beyond that, they're not really going to sort of insist on any particular combination of subjects. I mean, we recently made an episode about engineering, and we, we basically said you have to be you know, very good at mathematics and physics. But psychology, it's broader than that in terms of what you need to enter university. Right, so if you haven't perhaps in grade nine paid attention, um, uh, in grade ten, and, and you've, you've you've chosen subjects uh, that perhaps um, a little bit more limiting, then psychology is a good option for you. Yes, I mean there are some university subjects where you can go with pretty much any mix of school subjects, and right. uh, psychology is probably one of these. So I guess the application process is a pretty standard one. Um, uh, uh, there are no um, additional requirements uh, for students studying um, uh, psychology over and above what's normally expected on it? It's just a normal process. And of course, that depends on which country you're in. Some countries operate a centralized system, like in the United States, you have the Common App. In the UK, you have UCAS. Other countries, you make an application direct to the individual university. Um, but the important thing is that you find out what the, what your deadlines are. 
<laughs> you make sure you get those applications in before the deadline, because as we mentioned, it's very competitive. And if you don't apply before the deadline, well, you definitely won't be going. And we, we've done a variety of different episodes around uh, the different countries and different deadlines and all of that. So uh, it's important that you refer back to those episodes uh, uh, for detail, but fundamentally make sure that you apply in time uh, and preferably early in many contexts because uh, courses um, that are in demand are, are often allocated um, on a rolling basis um, uh, as well in different locations. Is that right? Yes, absolutely right. Um, because you definitely don't want to be at the back of the line if you are um, applying for a competitive course. No. And so in this particular area, you know, the early bird really does catch the worm. Uh, if you wait until the, the last day of the deadline, they may have already allocated the uh, uh, the vast majority of courses, uh, places, in which case uh, the, the amount of competition for those few remaining places may be much, much greater. And we mentioned earlier that cost is... Uh, um, you know, it's dependent on location and, and, and type of university and all of those things. So it's very difficult to nail down. Um, you know, it depends where you study, I guess. Absolutely. Um, some countries finance their higher education system with tax money, in which case the tuition fees tend to be lower or in some cases even free. Other countries have systems where you have uh, a lot of private universities, which are, of course, private businesses, and those universities tend to have higher tuition rates. So the bottom line is you can get a good education in lots of places. How much do you want to pay and where do you want to go? Right. And is psychology actually one of the subjects that uh, has, um, you know, an allocation for local nationals like medicine, or is it uh, generally okay for, for international students to apply? No, it's absolutely okay for international students to apply. Okay, so summing it all up, uh, Jeremy, psychology, um, a really broad field um, with um, incredibly interesting uh, uh, opportunities for career development, if that's the sort of thing that you're looking for, I guess. Uh, anything else that you'd like to uh, highlight? Well, I think uh, before you actually apply to a psychology degree, you need to do your research. Um, at the beginning of this episode, we were talking about all different types of psychology. And it's, it's important that you understand this. You don't just glance at the title and go, oh, psychology, I'll do that. You need to know what the different types are and does your university offer what you are looking for? And that means digging into the departmental page of the university and looking closely at uh, the course content. Um, so that's a, a very, very important process for you before you start committing yourself to apply to a particular university. I can imagine also that uh, teaching style is also particularly important for a, for a subject like uh, psychology. Um, because, uh, you know, it does involve uh, uh, dealing with complex issues. And maybe that's uh, another factor that students need to consider when they are uh, uh, considering which university to apply to. Yes, I mean, some students uh, actually prefer the more traditional lecture-based learning. Um, but in a subject like psychology, you're going to have a lot of problem-based learning. You're going to be 
confronted with a situation and then you and your fellow students are going to have to discuss uh, and try and figure out some sort of a solution, obviously guided by the lecturer or professor. Now, it's really up to you as an individual to decide, you know, which direction you want to go. But you do need to, to uh, check out how your university or prospective university actually approaches their teaching. Right. And, and for Jeremy, um, your problem-based learning is usually, uh, what am I going to eat tonight when my fridge is empty? <laughs> um, uh, how have you solved that problem today, Jeremy? Well, yes, it's a, an empty fridge uh, situation here, Neil, because I've been away traveling such a lot. I haven't really got caught up with shopping. And then last night, one of the local universities hosted a nice dinner, so I didn't have to cook last night. So tonight, Neil, um, it's yeah, gonna, go on. Are you are you ready for this? I am. I am. It's going to be pasta and bolognese sauce. Ooh, but I don't think it's probably not homemade pasta like it was a few uh, <laughs> weeks ago. Uh, <laughs> no. Um, you know, it's, it's the package variety. Well, enjoy a, your pasta. Okay. And, uh, Thank you. We'll catch up again soon. Uh, have a good one. Okay, Neil. You too. Bye-bye. Thanks so much for joining us today. If you enjoyed this episode, please don't forget to subscribe and share the Find Your Best Future podcast.